0: ladies and gentlemen. Good to see you guys. I am so excited to be back. You guys have no idea. I was telling pastor like all day I've had this adrenaline just rising up and then finally it was time. You know, it's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to, to go. I feel like I'm echoing a little bit. So maybe it's just me or this mic might be too close, but I'll let them do their thing and you guys let me know if you can't hear me. That's the problem. If you can't hear me, then we have a problem. So, um, but again, I am really grateful to be here and to see you guys tonight. And I have been kind of working on putting together uh, this month's lesson that I pray always will deposit a seed in you that will grow and harvest into new revelation, right? That's what we seek all the time is new revelation. So, I always say there may be some things that you've heard before, but hopefully you hear them uh, with a different set of ears tonight in a different position of your heart that will help you elevate and grow in your faith and in your relationship with our Lord. So that is my mission. So um, I just want to quickly uh, give the platform to the Lord. Father God, I just thank you for this privilege and opportunity tonight to be uh, in front of your people, to Teach them your word, Father God. I ask that you use me, that you speak through me, and open up our ears and our hearts, Father God, to have reception to that which you will tell us tonight to give us revelation and divine understanding, Lord God. Uh, We commit this night to you, we commit this class to you, and it's all for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I love these nice little intimate uh, sessions and the lights are even turned down. I feel like it's even more intimate, <laughs> but I think it's just so that we are able to see the the PowerPoint here going on. And for those of you that are tracking the PowerPoint tonight, I've I, You know, apologize if there's a lot of slides, but you guys know me by now. I have a lot of information that I try to uh, give to you guys, and it's just easier when you can follow along on that. So, with that being said, um, again, this series, I entitled it Lessons Learned in the Wilderness, right? So, we're going to have four weeks, as Pastor said, of lessons learned in the wilderness, and I figured I might as well start with the question of what exactly do I mean when I say the wilderness? And I think most of us will probably be on the same page about that. We might've had our own different personal experiences, but when we say lessons learned in the wilderness, what does the wilderness mean? For me, I decided to, use this lesson because of the personal experience, like I said, that I've been through. And so without going into full detail of my entire testimony, just know that uh, there was a time, there was a time in my life where I felt like I had um, entered into a place that was unfamiliar for me. And There was a lot of things that God had taught me during that time, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that because I'm able to stand here tonight, um, again, with new insight, new revelation, new strength. And so um, earlier today, when I was going through uh, what my own personal definition of what the wilderness means, I jotted some things down on my phone, and so I figured, let me just read this to you, and then you guys let me know if you can relate to this statement, okay? So... What I have here is the wilderness, okay? The wilderness represents that season of darkness, unfamiliarity, discomfort, right? Uncertainty, vulnerability, helplessness, lack, insufficiency, hardship, pain, fear, loneliness. That's what the wilderness was for me. It's what most people refer to as rock bottom, right? It's when you find yourself in the lion's den or maybe in the fiery furnace as Daniel and the Hebrew boys found themselves, right? The wilderness quite literally for the children of Israel was what they went through and experienced all of those things. But what do we learn from these biblical experiences, and how do they relate to our own everyday lives? We need to ask ourselves, what is God trying to teach us during our wilderness journey? That's what this entire month is going to be about in these classes. The good news is, though, ladies and gentlemen, God will never leave us nor forsake us, even in the wilderness, and that is Is where I came to a season in my life where seemingly in the natural I had lost everything. But God used that time to prove to me that he was all I ever needed and all I never will. So I just want to encourage you that even though the wilderness is symbolic of those hard times and those dark times that we talked about, there is the so-called light at the end of the tunnel, and we all know who the light is. Amen? Okay? And so tonight, what I want to do is just put into some practical terms and some strategic principles of what we learn in being allowed to go through those wilderness experiences. And one of the things that I personally learned um, is what we're going to look at tonight, and that was how to master a heart of stewardship. Because when I look back at my wilderness journey, I have to admit a lot of what I was going through was pure consequence of my own actions. And some of those actions were tied to uh, just not living a standard of excellence right? Not educating myself, being ignorant of certain things. And so one of the things that I learned was the value and the importance of stewardship. And that's what we're going to look at in detail tonight for lesson number one, mastering the heart of stewardship. So we know now what the wilderness means. What do we mean by stewardship, right? Has anybody not heard of that term stewardship before? It's usually pretty familiar for us that are in the church. And so tonight we're going to look at what does stewardship mean, okay? We're going to look at why it's important, though, because it is important. And then we're going to know or learn how do we apply it, okay? What does stewardship mean? Why is it important? And how do we apply it? So stewardship. Stewardship. Let me just give you a a brief description here. I actually wrote this down here too. Um, The basic definition of stewardship, ladies and gentlemen, is simply gonna be how well we manage or care for something that belongs to somebody else, but has been entrusted to us, okay? Um, Basically, stewards are caretakers, right? And they're overseers. And so, one of the things that I thought was very interesting in mastering, though, the heart of stewardship, is recognizing that we have the ability to maintain sort of ownership mentality, but with stewardship responsibilities. And I'll explain a little bit what I mean by that, because, you know, everything that we have in life, is because of God, yes, right? And it all belongs to God, right? And so our life itself, our very life itself is something that we need to steward over well. It is a gift from God, life is a gift from God. And so we need to understand that we have a responsibility to steward over this life well. And he allows us in the earth to claim ownership of it in a sense of, you know, um, if I say this is my bag here, right, for demonstration purposes, um, but I know that it's only by the blessing of God that I was able to get this, you know, so I'm actually just being a good steward over that. I can claim it as mine, but I have a duty to be responsible because um, if you're an owner, let's just say you can, it's yours, you can do whatever you want with it if you own it, right? But if you're a steward, there's a higher standard of expectation there, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. And so specifically, um, I wanted to give you guys some scriptures with regards to this idea of life being a gift and everything belonging to God, but that we are stewards over them. And so what I did was I put some scriptures on the overhead, and I'm going to read them for you as we get further into this tonight. So the first scripture comes from James, and you can just jot down the location of these. James 1 it says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So again, everything that we have is a gift from our Lord. And then in Psalm 24 one, the scripture says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Okay. So we have a scriptural foundation to recognize that, um, as we used to say, uh, he is the man, right? (laughs) So he, he, the man. And so it, he, it all belongs to him. It all belongs to him. And there's many, many other scriptures too. I just wanted to give you a couple. Um, but in addition to those scriptures, there was a quote on the next slide that I actually put on here too from CS Lewis that I thought was very profound because it's very impactful when you understand again, who's really in charge right? So let's look at this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or your moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not already, in a sense, his own. Okay. And so this is, (laughs) I like using these kinds of scriptures and quotes like that with um, my children, you know, who like to think at 12 and 13 and 15, that they actually own something when they don't even have a job. Like, no, I'm sorry. This is my house. These are, you know, my dishes that you're, you know, using and refusing to wash and just different things like that. But for us, for as children of God, we need to recognize the very breath that comes out of our bodies, ladies and gentlemen, is a gift from God. And so and he owns it, which means he calls the shots, okay? And so with that being said, we are going to humble ourselves to say, yes, Lord, I acknowledge you as Lord, and therefore you may order my steps in your word, right? That's what we wanna do is order our steps in the word. So now that we understand from biblical scripture that everything belongs to God, but we are stewards over it, we're going to look at tonight why this principle of stewardship is so important, like I said. And on the next slide, you're going to see three main areas of why stewardship is and so important. So we know, okay, God, he owns it all. We're stewards. Quote, unquote, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that we have a responsibility and accountability, right? And there's actually some rewards for being an excellent steward, okay? Remember, we talked about this a few times during our sessions that, you know, our God is a loving God, and he's not out to do anything to hurt us. He's also also not trying to be a puppeteer. He has a purpose and a plan, and aren't those purposes and plans always for our good? They are, so we need to recognize that when he tells us or asks us to do something that there's a benefit for it, okay? So we have a responsibility, we have an accountability to master stewardship, and when we do, there are rewards. But don't just take my word for it, let's look at his word, right? So again, I have a few scriptures for you guys with regards to that responsibility, accountability, and rewards. So we're going to look through really quickly, uh, starting with Luke 16.10, and these will be up on the slide. Luke 16.10 says, he who proves himself faithful, right, in the least will be given opportunity to receive much will be given opportunity to receive much. Now remember, like I said, when I was opening up with my own personal experience in the wilderness, I said that a lot of what I was going through was a consequence of my own action. I didn't learn this principle of stewardship, of being a good steward over the little, right? And so therefore, unfortunately, a lot of it was taken away. And that's what we're trying to avoid happening, okay? We are trying to avoid or we're purposing to avoid losing it all by not being a good steward over it. So um, another scripture that I have here was from 2 Corinthians 5.10. And that one says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So remember on the other slide, we said accountability, right? So we have a responsibility to take care of what we have in order to get more. But then we also have an accountability where we're going to stand before God and he's going to ask us, so what you do? Not that he doesn't already know, right? But there will be that accountability. And we want to be able to stand before him and have him say, well done with what we have been gifted in the earth. And so this is all about elevating, right, our walk with God. It's about elevating the testimony, right, that we're demonstrating to the world of what it means to be a Christian, because if we're not taking care of our stuff, right, how do we expect to be a good model and a testimony for the world who doesn't even understand where their blessings come from in the first place, right? So, Let me give you this last scripture on this slide here, too, from Colossians. um, Colossians 3, 23 through 24. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as unto the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance. Again, those rewards. Okay, so responsibility, accountability, and rewards this is why stewardship, ladies and gentlemen, is so important. And we have many, many examples from the Bible to support that. So um, this foundation that I'm laying out here is just, again, I know for you all, it's, it may be basic, but it's something that I had to go back to basics to learn during my journey because, you know, we sometimes get a little bit, bit too big for our britches, right? Sometimes we kind of just think we We know it all, and we we forget sometimes. And so God has a real interesting way of reminding us, like I said, that he is the man, and he is in charge, right? So what we want to do is tonight we're going to look at how do we apply this principle of stewardship, right? Because we identified what it was. We identified why it's important. Now we need to know how do we actually apply it or execute this principle of stewardship. And for tonight's class, I've kind of condensed, okay, this topic into 10 specific areas that we're gonna look at of how to apply stewardship to our lives. And let me just reiterate that not just stewardship but mastery of stewardship. That means purposing to excel in this area okay this is always about if you guys take again the time and the energy to come out tonight it's about going to the next level so when we look at these 10 areas some of them you may say oh yeah that makes sense i'm 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 good there right great if you're good let's go too great. And if you're great in that, let's go to phenomenal. Let's continue to layer this thing and challenge ourselves. This is also the time where, you know, we we get real transparent, right? We have to be very authentic and examine ourselves. That's what these classes, examine yourself in these areas that we go through and really just ask yourself and ask the Lord to reveal to you where you need to, like I said, step it up in that regard. So, Let's start with what I thought was one of the most obvious areas of where we need to master stewardship, and it's in our money and our finances. Because again, for me, using myself as the personal testimony for this, that rock bottom that we talked about earlier, that place of darkness, that place of lack and insufficiency, well, it was the majority of it was related to finances, for me, and money and simply not having any. <laughs> and that can cause a lot of problems in the earth. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but not having enough money you know, to meet basic needs can become a real problem here uh, in the earth. So what lesson in the wilderness did I learn and that we need to learn regarding money and finances is what we're gonna look at here. Me- remembering first and foremost that becoming an excellent steward over our money and finances is so that we can build the kingdom of God, right? That's the first and foremost um, purpose in why this is important. So what does that look like? Oh, be a good steward over your money. Well, I did not grow up in a household where financial literacy, excuse me, literacy was really taught, you know? I kind of had to stumble across that on my own, which is why I got myself into a little bit of a trouble, coming out of the wilderness what i learned was that there's some areas that we all need to be mastering and the first area is budgeting okay this is going to sound like i said very basic but ladies and gentlemen i'm telling you when we tighten up on some of these little things it's going to have a great impact on the bigger things that are going on in our lives right now so i don't want to harp too long on this part here but with money and finances we need to be budgeting okay we need to be investing we need to be saving and we need to make sure we are giving offerings, okay? That's the purpose of why God allows us to even earn an income in the first place, and it has to be managed well. Remember, the money belongs to him, okay? It's for his glory. It's for his kingdom. So again, we don't get to just do whatever we want to do with it unless he personally directs us to say, okay, you know what? This portion right here This is your, go at it. You can do whatever you want with this one here. But it comes in categories. So I learned those categories were give some, save some, and spend some. Now, before I was just spend, 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 right? Every now and again, I might give, 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 but that savings part... I never did that. I'm just being honest. Again, we're talking about personal wilderness experiences, right? I never did, it, and I wish I did, and that's why I'm so you know, um, glad that I know this now because I'm able to teach it to my sons who are in their 20s, right? Again, about budgeting, right? About investing. They've got good jobs, making good money. The first thing they wanna do is go out there and just you know, spend it. And I said, wait a minute. We're gonna do this kingdom way, right? So we're gonna budget, invest, save, and give offerings. And of course, y'all know I've got scripture for this too, right? So let's look at what God has to say about where I got those principles from. And so there's a few scriptures here, just a few, like I said. And um, Proverbs 3.9, which is on uh, the slides here, the first one that I have, says that we are to honor, honor the Lord with our capital and our sufficiency and the first fruits of all of our income. Okay, so again, when you're giving to the Lord, you are honoring him, right? That was one of the sections we talked about, was the offering and the giving. The next one says in Romans 13, 8, keep out of debt. Now, I just looked at this, I said, this in the Bible? Yeah, it's in the Bible. Keep out of debt and owe no man anything but to love him. And again, not to get into a full sermon about that one tonight, but if we just take it at surface level, right? We know that it's often difficult, especially in this day and age, to have zero debt. But here's the thing. You can pursue that as a goal, right? I know it's doable. We just have to educate ourselves about it, right? And so the thing about it is, and this whole thing with money, is just not be frivolous with it. I mean, again, my experience was, I think I was, and I don't know about you guys, I think when I was in college, even at junior college, as soon as I turned 18 or 21, one of those things, they give you that uh, credit card offering, right? $500 limit. You'd think you are balling. You're like, $500, all right, you know? And I can remember how quickly I got over the, my limit on $500. It's amazing how you can just, you know, do that. And then, what do you do? You spend the next umpteenth number of years trying to pay off $500 because see what they don't tell you about is that interest and those late fees and this and that and that. I said, man, okay, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, God is saying, if at all possible, do what you can do to keep out of debt because debt is bondage. It just is, okay? It can be used as a tool when used effectively, Okay, again, I'm not a financial advisor or anything like that, but I do know that there are ways in which you can use it and use it for your benefit, but the enemy is gonna try to trap you with it. And so the best thing to do is to just stay away if you can. Okay, so enough of that one. Let me get to these other ones here. Luke 638, you guys are familiar with this one. Give, right? And it shall be given unto you with even greater measure. And that's just a, a portion of that. But again, God has a purpose and a reason for why he's asking us to be a good steward over our money. Because when we are and we give, it comes back to us with even greater measure. And then this last one, which I didn't put the full scripture on it, but I did write it out from Matthew 25. Are you guys familiar with the parable of the talents, right? There's a lot of parables that Jesus um, taught in the Bible, and this one I love because it speaks right to what we said about investments. A lot of times people think you can't combine that stuff where it doesn't have, the Bible doesn't have anything to do with that. I said, did you read it? Because I'm pretty sure Jesus was teaching about how the importance of, you know, you give a man five talents, right? And then just to briefly recap that the man who got five talents ended up doubling that. And gave, when the man, Jesus returned back, he had 10. And then the man who had two, He doubled that and he got two, but then there was one man who was given one talent and he says, master, I know what a hard worker you are. And so I decided to just go and just dig a hole and put this talent right here, talent meaning money. And that way, when you come back, I can give it to you. And he said, well, I'm not going to say some of the words that Jesus uses, in the right? He was like, no, what you should have done was you should have invested my money so that you had more to give me when I came back. And so, um, and then he called him evil or wicked or something like that. And I was like, ooh, yeah, see, I don't want Jesus to say that to me. So I'm going to do what the other men did, and I'm going to invest my money to, again, prove and show my faithfulness and my good stewardship over what has been gifted to me, right? And then, again, I can do more for the kingdom, Now, because I've doubled my investment. So, again, not to get too deep into the financial advising side of that, but I think the basics, we can all agree that it would be wise that as we're learning, even whatever age or stage of life you are in right now, just start and say, Lord, teach me how to be a good steward over my finances. To learn how to, you know, when I make it, how to save it, how to give it, and how to spend it wisely. Amen? Amen. All right, all right. <laughs> so the other uh, that was number one. So number two, what we're going to look at as far as these areas of concentration for stewardship is kind of tied to money because it's the thing you think of when you think of what you've been gifted to in the earth, and it's our material possessions, right? Again, when I talk about myself and my kids, and you know um, what they think they own, right, until they have their own, I said you don't own anything, but our material possessions. Uh, houses, cars, our lovely cell phones and electronics, all of these things we don't often remember that he's watching to see how well we take care of these things. Now again for me and my personal experience with my wilderness, I was I was a victim of I don't want to say victim, let me just let me back up. Um, I chose, right, to not see how blessed I was to the point where I would take advantage of the gifts that I had been given. For instance, let's say this first one here says houses, right? I remember when I first moved out, got my first apartment, um, it came so easily, I guess, you know, and, and after I got tired of that one, I just went to another one and that one came easy, you know, same thing with cars and things like that. The problem was that when I was in those apartments and I was in those cars, I'll be honest, I didn't take very good care of it, you know. Every time I moved out of my apartment, I had to pay extra fees and cleaning and broken stuff and all of that kind of stuff. What what is that like nowadays? I'm like, no, you know. But I wasn't aware of it to the point of knowing the importance of it, you know. Again, I was like, what's the big deal? You know, nobody else is going to see it, or it's just me, or I'll just pay for it with the credit card. Like, you know, this whole stuff that we go through, we rationalize, and it wasn't until I was in that wilderness where I didn't have an apartment, and I didn't have the cars, and I didn't have the fancy electronics, and I didn't have anything. And then I had to realize I wasn't a very good caretaker of those things when I did have them. So now you best believe it is my mission to do my very best to take care of what I have, especially if I'm going to petition God for more or bigger or better, or what have you. We need to prove ourselves faithful in those little things, right? So, and again, we need to be teaching this to our our children in this generation that's coming up. So, um, and that, again, wardrobe even, you know, our clothes, things like that. I would buy something and, you know, either spend too much money on it or not wear it, not take care of it, not re-gift it if, you know, or something, just not being a very good steward. And so now I actually take Uh, thought to those things. And one of the things here in the scripture, it says Ecclesiastes 5.19, if God gives us wealth and property, let us enjoy them, or he gives it to us to enjoy, and we should be grateful for what we have worked for, because it is a gift from God. So again, just recognizing that, you know, when we grow up with teenagers, we think, well, I worked for it, I got the money, I bought it, it must be mine, right? Not necessarily the case. So your material possessions do count towards this area of concentration. And I kind of put in parentheses here job and career because it actually is a separate category, but I wanted to keep it to 10. So I kind of shoved it into this one here. But your job and your career is a gift from God, and it's something that we must be a good steward over as well. That was another thing, you guys, that I just have to, again, admit and be transparent about that I took advantage of that came easy for me. From the time I was 16 years old, every single job I applied for, I usually got, and I don't say that to be bragging, you know, I knew it was God who gave it to me, but I didn't recognize the responsibility that I had, right, to not leave my employers hanging just because I got tired of it and decided to, to leave, you know, be a good steward, you know, do your job with excellence. It doesn't matter what someone else is doing, you know, um, again, thinking back years ago, and when you're a teenager or a young adult, you know, and the, the co-workers, if they're all slacking off or whatever, you know, you're like, well, I'll slack off No, no, you have a higher standard and a greater responsibility. And so even with jobs, I was very frivolous and did not steward well over those opportunities that I had. And it came back to bite me in the butt. And so now I learn. And so now everything that I have the privilege of doing in God's honor and his name, I'm going to purpose to do it to my best ability with excellence and not, again, take it for granted and not be frivolous no matter how small or insignificant it may seem because to him it means a big deal and I will give an account for it in the end. So um, just something to think about, okay? We might be going through this list and you're like, okay, I'm good on that. I've learned that. You know, some of us are a little seasoned, so we might have been like that when we were young, but we're going to get to some things tonight where you're going be like, oh, I didn't think about that one. So let's keep moving here on this one. Do you have water, sir? Thank you. All right. So here's this next one. This is number three on this slide here. We're talking about stewardship and we're talking about caring for the gifts that God gave us. We're going to talk about physical bodies. And again, this is something that I did not connect the dots to, until I was a little bit older because, you know, when you're young and you're spry and you're just doing whatever you want and, you know, you don't have to worry about working out and eating whatever and that kind of thing. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's going to come back to get you in the end if you're not a good steward over it. Thank you very much. Um, And so I wanted to point this out tonight to say that our bodies, just like everything else, belong to the Lord, right? and we have a responsibility to take care of them, and if not, we will pay the price for it. So I put the scripture up here for 1 Corinthians 6 19 that says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Okay, this is the scripture here. So For you were bought with a price. You and I were bought with a price. Therefore, let us glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. So this one got me when it, it's like, I know the scripture is there. I knew it's, you know, been there, whatnot. But when you really break it down and you look at it and you realize that the spirit of the living God is taking up residence on the inside of you. And so, therefore, how well you treat you is how you are treating him, right? And it's just one of those things where you become more aware, right? And so your intentions and your purposes change. Now, it doesn't make it easier sometimes, right, to just go ahead and do the right thing. We know the right things to do, we know we should be eating the right things, we know we should be active. Doesn't mean we have to all be, you know, at 24-hour fitness, you know, seven days a week kind of thing, and that kind. Of, I say that because my my youngest son is into fitness training and everything right now, and he just loves to use that as the standard. I said, "Look, that is a little bit extreme. Okay, that is not what the Lord is talking about, but <laughs> you know, but the principle is the same: taking care, you know, of ourselves and and being active. And um, there's a lot of excuses that we can come up with, but there's even more reasons why we should versus what we should not do. So with that being said, just know that if you want to grow and present yourselves, that's another scripture says, present your your bodies a living sacrifice, right? So, um, and I always say, Lord, you you know better than I do. So let me not argue with you about any of these points in that regard. And just give me the strength, the wisdom, and the courage to, to do it, even when I don't feel like it. And so for me, this area right here was, you know, maybe you don't have time to go to a gym. Maybe you don't have the funds to go to a gym. But I know that, again, remember, no excuses. In your living room, you can get a full body workout if you choose to, right? There's, especially with the way modern technology is now, you can always do something. And so I remember when I was recommitting myself to this standard of excellence with being a good steward over my body, I said, okay, Lord, you know, I have all these excuses about why I can't get to the gym or this or that. And um, he says, okay, well, you see those stairs in your house, (laughs) right? Okay. Don't just walk up the stairs, right? But I want you to skip a step every time. And then when you get to the top, I want you to do 10 push push-ups on the top stair. And then when you come back down, I want you to do 10 dips from the back of your arms down here. Let me tell you that right there. I didn't need a gym. I did that because I go up and down my stairs in my house about 15 times a day. So I was getting myself into real good shape just by instead of looking for a reason not to do it, you look for the reason why you can. And here's another good one. And I'll just share this with you guys because, again, I'm just being transparent. So the other thing was, um, you know how we can become little couch potatoes sometimes, right? And now there's this new thing with Netflix and Hulu. You can binge right? And you could sit there on that couch and you could be there for three hours or more. Well, let me just speak for myself. I could be there for three hours or more watching TV, right? And not only am I just sitting there watching TV, I'm up in the kitchen and I'm in the microwave and I'm fixing stuff and I'm sitting down and I'm just having a good old time. And then I'm realizing, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that, right? So the Lord's like, okay, listen, it's okay. I want you to have your your rest and your me time and it's okay. He said, but here's the deal. There are six commercials per episode of these one-hour shows that you're watching. Each commercial lasts between one and three minutes. Every time a commercial comes on, guess what we're doing? We're getting up and we're getting the jump rope, right? Or we're doing something where we're getting active. And we laugh and we joke, but again, when we're talking about some serious stuff and we are like, we, we really need to make a commitment, you can start with whatever you have, and God will honor that he'll receive that and you will get the benefit from it, right? So I just share that with you guys. So I don't know where everybody else is at in their life right now, but that's where I'm at in my life right now is looking for every opportunity to be a good steward. And that way I prove myself worthy of what I'm asking the Lord to give me in return. Amen? Okay, so we're going to be good stewards over our bodies because it is good to do that. That is the home of the Lord. So let's look at the next area. Okay, let's look at the next area. Hmm. All right, we are talking about gifts from God, and that life itself is a gift and everything in it, but there's literally actual gifts and talents that he has given each and every one of us, and this is where I say it starts to go, oh, you get aha moments, and you realize that, hmm, This thing that God planted in me, this passion that he planted in me, I actually have a responsibility to live this thing out, right? Don't let those gifts and those talents lie dormant on the inside of you. They're there for a purpose and you have a responsibility to share that. And so um, whatever your gifts and your talents are, just know that you have a responsibility to steward over those well. And I have a scripture here in 1 Peter 4.10. And it says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Plain and simple, right? And so sometimes we, we go, well, how do I do that? That's when we pray for God to give us, bless you, uh, opportunity, right? Right? Say, Lord, you've given me this gift and this talent. I don't know where to apply it. So teach me, show me, give me opportunity. You know, um, we have an obligation and a duty to live out our passion and share our gifts and talents with the world. Don't suppress them. Don't hide them. Don't minimize them. Ignore them or deny them. That would be like... (laughs) What is it, bad etiquette if someone gives you a gift, right? And then you just kind of shove it in the closet and forget about it, right? Or um, I know for me, I had to learn how to humbly receive gifts because what do we do? We go, oh no, that's okay. You don't have to do that, right? That's what we do. And God is saying, listen, within the right context and with the right mindset and the right heart, I want you to have these things. I want you to enjoy them and by you sharing them, you give people permission to do the same with what they have, right? And we know if everybody's in their lane and doing their thing, that's when things really start to click and we get to that place where we're supposed to right now, we're all, you know, again, hiding, suppressing, minimizing and all this kind of stuff and we wonder why we're not getting results we're not living authentically to the way God intended us to live, authentically to who we are and what we are gifted, uniquely gifted. I was watching a show earlier today (laughs) talking about binging, but I wasn't binging. I was just taking a break. (laughs) And I was watching, um, I think it was Shark Tank. And these little girls were up here, like 12, 13-year-old girls were pitching their, their product. And their slogan was, or their tagline was, everybody has been created equally different, and I thought, hmm, because I thought it was going to put a period after. Everybody's created equal, right? That's what we say. Everybody's created equal. Everybody was created equally different. Your uniqueness is what the world needs. We don't all need to be cookie-cutters of the same exact thing. That's why I say don't compare, don't compete, just be you, just be you. That's how you're going to get there. So. Embrace your gifts and talents and share them with the world. That is how you be a good steward over that. All right. So we're going to keep this going here. Like I said, we have quite a few to get through, but now it gets even deeper into not so much the, the natural things, the tangible things, right, that we can say are gifts. But did you know that your on the next slide, it's going to say your faith and God's grace. Wow this is where we get to kind of pause and say, hmm, okay, now I never thought about that. The faith that I have is a gift from God, right? The grace that he gives me. You guys know the scripture says, do not frustrate the grace of God, right? That's what I was doing in my, that led to my wilderness journey. I was frustrating the grace of God. <clears throat> I didn't do it on purpose you know, or intentionally, but again, when I was telling you about how I failed to be a good steward over these things in my life, I was taking for granted the fact that God always was there to swoop me up and pick me up and bail me out and give me more and this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? And so I learned now that his grace, oh, I don't want to take that for granted. I want to steward over that well. I want to be able to say, Lord, I hope I get through today without having to depend on your bailout. You know what I mean? Like I just want to have one day, you know, I'm grateful that it's there, but my aim, right, is to not do things frivolously or purposely or intentionally that are going to make my angels have to work over time. That's what I used to tell my kids, stop making your angels work overtime. They're there, but you know, you be stretching that, pushing the boundaries a little bit there, right? That's what we do sometimes, you know? And even our faith, when I learned this one, oh my goodness, the wilderness taught me what true faith, you guys remember how we opened up this series talking about faith and we said what real biblical faith is like? That's the wilderness is where your faith really is tested. And so for me, to recognize that the gift of faith, which is what we live by, right? We live by faith. Man, I have a duty. You have a duty and a responsibility to grow that faith, right? To stretch our faith, to utilize our faith and apply it. If you are not using your faith, you're not being a good steward of the gift that God has given you. So, again, I purpose, Lord, help me to live by faith every single day, not tuck it away in the closet and use it as a 911 type of situation. You guys get me on that one, right? Okay, so um, the scripture here in Ephesians 2.8 says that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. We know this, right? It is not our own doing, but it is the gift of God. Again, we started out describing what stewardship was and how we don't own anything. It is a gift from God, and therefore we have an obligation and a duty to be good stewards over it. So the faith that God gifted to us must be developed, it must be strengthened, and it must be exercised daily. We must purpose not to take our faith for granted by neglecting to steward over it well. So again, maybe these other areas that are more um, obvious that we opened up with, you know, yeah, I need to be a good, you know, steward over money and the things that I have, you know, now we're talking about supernatural things. And this is where, again, we elevate ourselves and go to a whole nother level. Let's purpose to be good stewards over the faith and the grace that God gives us every single day. Amen. All right, so we're going to keep going here, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to look at something that I think when I got the revelation of free will, this is the next slide here, free will being something that I needed to steward over, and I thought, how does that work, Lord? And he said, well, don't complicate it. Your free will is a gift, right? Yeah. (laughs) So you got to steward over. Well, what does that mean? It means, like I said earlier, we don't get to just do whatever we want just because we feel like doing whatever we want, you know? Um, At least, again, we're speaking as believers, right? The world, they'll tell you that all day long. Matter of fact, that's what we have to fight against is, oh, you know what? If it feels good to you, you do it. Or whatever you want to do that, you know, go for it. We live by the word. And so the word says, and I gave this scripture here because I (laughs) love, again, the parent in me loves this scripture here too, uh, but we, we're children to God. He's our, our father, right? So these are his words, and he says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, and I, I use the amplified version if you wanna take notes on what this one, where this one comes from. It says, all things, all things are legitimate, meaning they're permissible, and we are free to do anything we please, but, oh, y'all remember how we talked about those big buts, right? <laughs> but not all things are helpful, expedient, profitable, or wholesome, right? All things are legitimate, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spiritual life. I love this scripture. It's just like, come on, you know, yeah, we could say we can do whatever we want, but honestly, if you think about it, even in the natural, this doesn't apply because going out and doing whatever you want comes with consequences, doesn't it? I mean, we live in a world, we just had an election. There's rules, there's guidelines, you know, that we don't recognize we follow every day, but we do. But we, when it comes to God's word, we want to, you know, gripe about the rules, right? Or the, the guidelines, I should say, right? We live by them every day, but that flesh, that flesh tries to get a little you know, pumped up and a little puffed up and a little prideful, and it's like, oh, no, I can do whatever I want to do, and I am free to, you know, uh-huh. I remember teaching from, I think it was Joyce Meyer who said, you are absolutely free to do whatever you want, but you are not free from the consequences of those actions, right? And that's what the scripture is saying. Not only is it saying not only are you, you're not free from the consequences, it's saying use your free will to do good, right? To edify, to lift up right? Not to cause uh, condemnation, you know, and uh, things that are profitable. Oh, I love that word right there because I'm I'm big with, you know, uh, productivity. And just because you're busy or moving or whatnot doesn't mean you're productive, right? And just because you're doing something doesn't mean it's profitable. This is how we, again, change the game, right? And we elevate is when we evaluate what we do every day and is it profitable, right? Getting our rest is profitable to the body when we're talking about being a good steward over it. So us running around like chickens with our heads cut off all the time is not the game plan of trying to prove, right, how much we can do. That's not what God is asking us to do. So I just love how to be able to put these things in real life um, terms and applications to make us think, you know, make us pause. That's what we need to do. We need to practice the pause, and think, is this helping me and elevating me to the next level of becoming an excellent steward? So your free will, you need to be a good, you and I need to be a good steward over what we choose to do. Amen? All right. So with that being said, I'm going to keep on going here. And the next slide talks about us being good stewards over our relationships, because they are a gift from God. Are they not? Now, I know some of the relationships we're in don't seem like all the time that they're gifts, but that's our responsibility to try to, uh, or purpose to function in those relationships in a way that benefits. So for the the purpose of tonight's lesson, I kind of put in parentheses, the parent-child relationship, because actually, The second part or the second lesson of the the class is going to go into more depth about uh, covenant relationships with uh, husband, wife, you know, and things like that. So just for tonight, I said, steward over your relationships, the parent-child relationship. We know the scripture in Proverbs tells us that we are to train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This was one of the areas for me that I think I stepped over the line at one point um, and didn't realize that I didn't own my children. I know I thought I did, and I sure did act like I did, right? But it was very humbling when God showed me, especially when those boys got between that 16 and 18-year-old stage where God is saying, you know what? I've gifted these boys to you and I want you to parent them and care for them and nurture them, but they belong to me. And so when you do reach your threshold of what you can do, don't try to force something, right? Cause that's what I was doing. I was trying to take control and control things that I had no control over. But when I stepped back and said, Lord, they belong to you And I commit their lives into your hands. And so whatever they do when they leave my house, that's between them and you. (laughs) You know what I mean? In that regard. And I was able to then be free from the bondage of trying to prove, right, that I was a good parent by uh, controlling my kids' lives. And so that's why I inserted this into tonight's lesson for us because many of us may have adult children. Maybe we have grandchildren. Maybe we just have individuals in our lives where we are uh, in a position to influence them, right? And the best way for us to do that is to integrate um, this partnership with God. Like, I don't know what it is that, you know, I mean, I love being uh, a mother, but it was just the revelation of the fact that there's seasons of life where those roles and those duties, they change as our children grow, right? You know, and so that nurturing and the way in which we parent changes. And if you don't recognize who ultimately is in control and who owns the lives of those children, you will wear yourself out trying to uh, do that. And so for me, the wilderness taught me, because again, I'm using myself as an example. My personal wilderness included a season where my children weren't in my life. And so this principle right here, oh, if your whole identity, right, and your whole self-worth value was attached to your ability to parent, and now that child isn't there, it's like, well, who are you, right? Who, who, Who was I? That's what I needed to find out during that time, and so I'm grateful to the Lord for what he taught me in the wilderness about how to properly and appropriately care for my children's lives. Okay, and we'll look into next week more about the other relationships that we, that we have. So again, um, our job simply is to love them, train them, educate, equip them, and yes, discipline them. <laughs> right? And then send them off. Yes. <laughs> and send them off. Cover them and send them off. Amen. Amen. So this is just to bring some insight to your your understanding about stewardship. So the next thing we get to talk about in stewardship is again, this is one, what are the, the hard pill to swallow? Yeah, this one right here, time, time. Y'all, we got to steward well over our time. We all say it, oh, life's short, right? Sometimes we say "Where's time's going by too fast. I mean, whatever it is, we're never satisfied. That's for sure, I know that. But this right here, is so essential because it's an irreplaceable commodity, and it's also the great equalizer, meaning we all have the same 24 hours in a day, and what we do with it is what's going to make the difference between where we are and where we want to be. And so the Bible has many scriptures about managing our time, But the one I pulled out for tonight comes from Ephesians 5.16, again from the Amplified version. And it says, making the very most of your time on earth, recognizing and taking advantage of every opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence, because the days are filled with evil. And so again, just combining everything that we're learning, we understand how important it is to manage and steward over our time. And if we're frivolous in that regard, right, then we're, again, we're running to our 911, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. Well, he's saying, well, if you would have taken the time to prepare, to organize, to do whatever it is, to not get caught up on your binging, whatever it is, then you may not have been in this uh, position. And so being on time meaning avoiding excessive tardiness, being prepared and organized, and maximizing productivity. Um, You know, I'm always teaching now about making the most of every second. Make every second count. Like, again, we've heard that in just general terms, right? But let's think about that. Make every second count. Because when it's gone, it's gone, right? And we have an ability to master how we manage our time in a way that will bring us greater results. And so I'm just a big proponent of just not wasting time, you know, and I think if we're gonna be excellent stewards over our lives that we need to take this particular uh, component very seriously. And um, again, that doesn't mean that we always have to be doing something, you know, so extreme, you know, take time to rest sometimes. Some people don't do that. Sometimes people um, don't take the time to listen, all right? Sometimes people don't take the time to, uh, again, organize or do whatever it is, but the biggest thing is making the time to spend with the Lord, because we can get so caught up and so busy, even doing good things. You know, that was one of my biggest things too, was I was just like, I'm doing this for you, Lord. So I'm too busy right now. You know, I'm too busy preaching. I'm too busy teaching. I'm too busy parenting. I'm too busy working. I'm too busy. None of those things would I have without him. So I had to learn how to tell all of those things in the right time and in the right boundaries and all that kind of stuff. Right now, I need to invest. Remember, we're talking about invest my time in the presence of the Lord so that I can be more effective in what it is that I'm trying to do. So I just think time is very, very important, at least while we're here on earth, okay? So think about that, it matters. And I think that's why I put that. I had someone tell me lots of times, you know, what's the big deal? Oh, well, I'm late all the time. What's the big deal, right? Or, well, I said, I didn't say it. He said it. So I think that that right there, and again, I see the results of it. You know, I don't know about you, but when I'm more effective with my time, I see the results, right? And it's less stressful. Oh my gosh. It's just when I get up early or when I prepare the night before, right? Or if I take the time to make my list or whatever it is, again, the rewards, you're going to benefit from it. Stop self-sabotaging. That's what I had to learn too. So I just share that with you. I'm going to stop rambling on that one. (laughs) All right. So we're going to talk about the next point tonight about stewardship. And again, this is one where sometimes I have to kind of duck behind something because I feel like people are going to throw rocks at me. But (laughs) words, our words matter, right? What comes out of our mouths? Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen. Again, I figured it's my mouth, my body, my life. I can do and say whatever I want. Where did that get me? In the wilderness. <laughs> That's where it ended me up, right? You know, and so while I was in the wilderness, the Lord taught me how what I was saying, again, got me to where I was. And he says, in order to get yourself out of this place, this is what you're going to have to say instead. And so that's when I learned how to not just read the scriptures, but speak the scriptures and recognize that everything that comes out of my mouth has the power to become my reality. Okay. And so I'm going to really just pause and emphasize right here this particular area of stewarding over our words. Simply put, watch your mouth right? We say that, but do we do that, right? We tell that to everybody else, right? But do we do that? And this could be something as simple as when someone says, um, you know, I don't know if you know people like this. I used to be like this, and I would always say things like, this is killing me. If I was going through something or whatever, I would always, oh, this is, my knee is killing me, my back is killing me, these kids are killing me, this, that, that whoa, I'm surprised I made it to 44 because I should have been dead a long time ago with what I was saying, right? You know, or, you know, um, I've used that example be- before, but things like that, we just got to be careful. We-, we say it in jest, but again, we're going to another level. So let's not be jestful in what we say. And the scripture is very clear about that too. Matter of fact, it gets very clear about what we should not be using our mouths for. Ephesians 4:29. Let no foul or polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as is fitting to the need and occasion... that it it may be a blessing and give grace, God's favor to those who hear it. So again, throughout the course of our day, throughout the course of our week, when we find ourselves evaluating where we are, what we have, what's working, what's not, go back and examine your words. And I guarantee you, you can pinpoint where things went right or where they went wrong, right? This is very important. When we were talking about on the other slide about relationships and stewarding over our kids' lives, the responsibility that we have to speak life to them, you know, and not tell children, you know, that. They're never going to amount to anything or never tell children what they can't you know, accomplish and that there will always be one thing or another and this negativity after negativity. They're children. What are we doing? You know, We've probably, some of ourselves, have experienced those things. But we can reverse that, ladies and gentlemen, by now picking up this principle of, I'm going to steward over what's coming out of my mouth, and I'm only going to say things that are edifying and uplifting, and they can be fun-loving, you know, when it's talking about, you know, the people, y'all know those people, they just say things on purpose to be mean, and to be evil, and to dig, and that, I I, I tell people, you can miss me with all that, like, if you're going to come with that negativity, you can keep that over there, you know, but, Sometimes, you know, if you're just explaining a situation, there may be some negativity going on, but you don't have to meditate on that thing or wallow in it. And um, even some of this here about uh, coarse gesturing and, you know, jokes that maybe are inappropriate or things like that. We just need to be careful. We need to be careful because they're having an effect on the results that we're getting in our lives. Everything we say has the power to either bless our life or curse our life. So we need to choose wisely. God is watching. We're going to give an account. Right? Responsibility and accountability. So I said, well, that's something to very uh, think about, right? We went from stewarding over tangible things to stewarding over things like our faith and now our words. And then this next one here that we're gonna actually end on is our thoughts and our emotions. Hmm, our thoughts and our emotions, which is the next slide that we're gonna uh, go to and thinking about the realm of stewarding over gifts, you know, I didn't think about that, that our, our thoughts were a gift from God and our emotions were a gift from God. But you know what? We said earlier that everything that we have is a gift. So this is important because just as much as what we say, what we think, which is what leads to what we say, right? is going to be, they're trying to get the, <laughs> the thing up here. There we go. Thoughts and emotions. It's important. It's all tied together. So what you think about on a daily basis, it's going to lead to the words you say, and the words you say are going to lead to your emotions. And we don't get to just let any thought come into our head and not examine it. That's what, you know, we're supposed to do. We're supposed to examine our thoughts. The scripture here, one of them I used was Romans 12, 2. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's a responsibility that we have. We have to steward over our ability to renew our minds, Um, especially as adults. We cannot, um, you know, Cop out with, oh, I didn't know. Well, did you try to find out? You know? So we have a responsibility to educate ourselves and not be ignorant. Um, and this one I love here, the next scripture in 2 Corinthians 10 5. Uh, this one is when the people come and tell me that they can't control their thoughts. I said, well, let's see what God says about that. He says, casting down imaginations or thoughts in c- certain translations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So, this plain and simple, ladies and gentlemen, what I learned was that just because a thought comes to your mind doesn't mean you have to keep it there. And it certainly means you don't have to speak it out if it's not, as the scripture says, in line with God's word. And so one of the things that I'll just insert here that gives you sort of a practical application of this is, so how do you stop thoughts, negative thoughts from coming to your mind? Well, that's pretty hard to stop it from coming, but the way you get rid of it, right? You don't fight thoughts with more thoughts. Meaning, if a negative thought comes to my head and then I try to think it away, I'm gonna be in a battle with myself in my head just, you know, Instead, the thought comes, and then I speak against it. So if the thought comes to my head, um, you can't do that, let's just say. The words that should come out of my mouth are say, yes, I can, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or the thought comes to you, um, you know, this is going to break you. You know, this is too heavy. You can't handle this. You know, that thought comes to my head. The words that come out of my mouth are, no weapon formed against me will prosper, right? And so, but if the reason why I'm making this emphasis tonight to you guys is that I know why I thought I was doing the right thing and I really wasn't winning or getting the result is because I was at that level where I was just trying to deal with it all in my head. And I needed to connect the power of my words in response to my thoughts in order to see the result, okay? And the other thing that's connected to this that we'll close out on is the emotions part of it. This is something else that people always say that they have no control over, but you do. Not only do you have control over it, you have a responsibility to control it, again. I tell my kids, they say, I couldn't help it. Yes, you can. You (laughs) make yourself help it. You can help it. You can help it. You can train yourself, right, to respond and have the right emotion. And that thing we talked about, free will, you know, just because you feel it doesn't mean you have to do it if it goes against God's word. You tell that thing. You tell your body. You tell your mind. You tell your emotions. You tell your words, whatever it is make sure it lines up with God's word. You guys do that. You steward over every area that we talked about tonight, and I promise you, you will see another level of result of change, mainly in your connectivity to God. If you ever feel like there's too much distance between you and God, these little things that we think are little, that are big to him, we start doing this, you go, oh, wait, you know what? I remember I learned this. Let me try that it's going to open up a whole new door. It's going to take away what's blocking that connectivity, and that's something else we're going to get to in this series that I'm really excited about. So I'm hoping that tonight that these 10 areas will help you examine how to grow in your relationship with God and um, be excellent representatives of him in the earth. So With that being said, again, for those of you, and I think most of you guys have been here with me at least once, you know I like to always close with some sort of accountability assignment or some sort of homework uh, just to make you think. And so we're gonna have tonight's accountability assignment be very simple, and it's simply for you guys to identify specific areas from this list that we were talking about where you feel like, you know what, I am being a pretty good steward over that and, you know, God has helped me in this area. So identify where you are succeeding at being a good steward, but at the same time, also identify things from the list where you thought, you know what, I need to work a little harder in this particular area. You know, whatever it is, identify where you may be struggling and ask God to help you in that area to be a better steward, to get revelation about that. And then lastly, what I want you guys to do is think about, because again, remember, I just condensed these 10 things for tonight. Think about other areas that maybe we didn't talk about tonight that could be applied to this area of stewardship, okay? One of the things that I thought about was opportunities. The opportunities we get in life are gifts from God, and we need to steward over those well. That's what I said about myself when I was young. I didn't steward over those op- I had many opportunities that came my way, and I didn't value them, and that came back to bite me, like I said. And so even today in where we are in our lives, what other things um, that we have that are a gift from God that we can steward over and show ourselves Approved. Does that sound doable for you guys there? Hopefully, that gives you, um, like I said, not just an insight, but my goal is to help you know really kind of charge you up, you know, stir you up a little bit. I know for myself, we always say, oh, I know that, or oh, I, I'm good, I'm, that's fine. But the, I tell you, I love this because when it's small like this, I said this is the remnant. And I love that because these are God's elect right here that we, you know, don't, don't count us out. Don't, don't underestimate those who take the time to come out and learn about God's word because there is a lot of work to do. But instead of being resentful for it, I embrace, I say, Lord, thank you for, you know, entrusting me with this responsibility, you know, to be here. And so whatever he's placed on your heart, just know that he loves you and he wants to help you grow in your area of stewardship. And then that way you can teach that to others. That sound good? All right, so let's just look at what we have coming up next. Um, I will be here next Wednesday. And if you come back, we're gonna be talking about more lessons learned in the wilderness. And this particular one, like I said, is going to highlight the power of covenant relationships. So we'll define what covenant means. We'll look at what those relationships are and how we can apply them to our everyday lives. For me, the wilderness really allowed me to examine my own personal relationship with God, who is the great covenant keeper, right? So you'll wanna come back so that you can learn how to effectively apply that into your everyday life and share that information with others. Did you guys learn something tonight? Yeah. Thank you so much for, you know, again, allowing me this privilege and letting me ramble about me and my crazy kids and all that good stuff. You know, it's an honor and a privilege always. And I just wanted to thank you for your time, for your seeds sown, and may God continue to bless you and show his face and his grace and his mercy upon you in everything that you do. Amen. All right, so I'm going to just close this out with a quick prayer, and then I'm going to give the floor to pastor if he has any announcements, and you guys will be on your way. So, dear Lord, I just want to come to you once again as this class comes to a close this evening, Lord God, we give it all to you, all the glory, all the honor, all the adoration and thanksgiving, Lord, for there is none like you. We worship you, Lord, simply for who you are. It is an honor and a privilege. Father God, to be used by you as your representatives in this earth. We just ask right now, Lord God, that you um, show your mercy upon us and anything that is in us that may be out of line with your word, Father, just give us the, the revelation and the understanding, the strength to be able to yield our will to your will, Father God. So I just want to thank you again, Lord, for this evening, for this class, for these people. Lord, I pray that if there's any unmet need for anyone in this room tonight, that you will work exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask or think to meet that need because you are our source. So I just declare healing in the room, Father God. I declare peace in the room, Lord God. I declare deliverance, Father God. I declare in Jesus' name that there is absolutely no weapon that is formed against us that will prosper. And as we leave here tonight, Lord God, thank you for your angels. Thank you for your angels of protection, Lord God, that will ensure we will get home safe and sound. And thank you for the gift of rest, Lord God. Help us to steward over our beds tonight well. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. All right.